Welcome to Cups and Cakes presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded August 12, 2017. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. In 2015, Jessica Jalbert released her debut album as Faith Healer entitled Cosmic Troubles. It was met with great reviews from Exclaim, Ride the Temple, Pitchfork, and the team here at Cups and Cakes. This September marked the release of her sophomore album Try and also the announcement that Faith Healer is no longer a solo project, but rather a duo featuring longtime collaborator Rennie Wilson. Joining me today to talk about the new album, new bandmate, and more is Jessica Jalbert. Welcome to Cups and Cakes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first question here was, uh, what sparked the decision to make Rennie part of the band rather than keeping it kind of as a solo project? I, I think it's it's kind of funny to have that as the focal point. A lot of interviews have had that as the focal point, and I understand why, because for the last record, we, um, or I, had to specifically clarify to people that it was my project and not a duo, um, because all of the press was saying it was a duo, and it was really not. Um, Rennie's level of, invol- of involvement in this record is pretty close to the same as it was in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced it, you know, and he produced the last one too. But because we approached this with a bit more of a blank slate, I hadn't played any of the songs with the band before at all. His involvement was just a little bit more. So I wouldn't say that that it marks like a big shift, you know. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden this is going to be him and me, which is different than what it was before. But a couple reasons why we decided to solidify that. Um, one was that it, it, it's it been financially unfeasible for me to um, do a whole lot of work in the studio. And when we really hit our stride when we were making this record, we were like, man, we should just do another one right off the bat. We should just go hard. We're, we're having a really good time in the studio and reaching our stride and learning so much stuff. We should just do another one. And I remember the conversation. I was like, well, I really can't afford you. <laughs> you know, I can't afford to do another record right off the bat. And that's that's the conversation we were having when we kind of started saying, well, what if Rennie was like, what if I, I kind of became an official part of Faith Healer? Then you wouldn't be on the hook for all of the recording costs and stuff like that. Okay, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm really a part of the project anyway, and it's true, he is. Like, you know, this is, this is something that he and I have made together. There's no way that I would, you know, suggest that I just came in with all these songs exactly how I wanted and then um, just got him to record them, you know. Like, he has so much input and, you know, we're really close, we're great friends and have worked together so much that it just made sense to say, yeah, this is both of our thing. Um, 
he did uh, like all the kind of formatting and stuff like that of the artwork and everything. He's had his hand in every aspect of making the record really, even just, you know, giving me feedback on the songwriting itself. So it just made sense to say, yeah, this is both of us. <laughs> right on. So how do you move forward with this change? Does the dynamic of the band you've had for the past couple of years change? Um, I think some aspects of the dynamic will change, especially in terms of the touring band. So I won't be touring anymore as Faith Healer unless Rennie is there. Okay. Which changes who I'm on the road with, because before that I've had, for the last couple of years, I've had the same specific touring band and it hasn't involved Rennie. Um, and so I think that that will be a noticeable dynamic change. Also, just I'll feel more comfortable, I already do feel more comfortable running, you know, any idea or thought that I have about Faith Healer by Rennie, whereas in the past it's been like, okay, well, we made the record, now I'm done with you, you're done with me, and I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do with this Faith Healer project. But now I, you know, I don't feel like I'm nagging him if I'm going to ask him, uh, you know, stuff like, oh, what do you think about this press pick, or you know, do you think this is a good show to take, that kind of thing. It's nice to have a sounding board and somebody that I can run ideas by and stuff like that. And because he is officially part of Faith Healer, it makes it, you know, so I don't feel like I'm just a nag, you know, like <laughs> this is my this is my co-worker in a way. And so it makes sense to run things by him and stuff. So, yeah. Right on. Cosmic Troubles had a 60s psych feel, whereas this record is a little more straightforward rock and roll. I'm curious what you were listening to for inspiration when writing and recording this one. Yeah, this question comes up all the time, and I always answer it, but always poorly, because for some reason it's so hard for me. Um, but, you know, I can name the records that we listen to, and the ones that I've remembered a lot of the past few interviews and stuff like that have been... Um, 10CC, Lou Reed, Leonard Cohen's Death of a Ladies Man, um, the songs that I refer, made reference to a lot um, when we were trying to reach a sound was, um, I made reference to a Scott Walker song that I really love, um, I made reference to Elvis Costello, and... Um, you know, a few specific things, but we listen to so many records, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, most of them kind of bargain bin for a couple reasons. A, like, new records are more expensive than bargain bin records, so they happen to, bargain bin records happen to be more um, common in, in the collection, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of standards, a lot of old dudes kind of records, I guess. Just for sure because that's what was there but also because that's that's what we like i guess <laughs> right on how did the writing and recording of this one differ from cosmic troubles cosmic troubles i had written a lot of the songs years before we recorded them um they had been around for a long time and i'd performed them a ton um whereas for try i i didn't perform a single one of the songs really before we recorded except for a different sort of version of light of loving which is that first single so the the writing process was way different because I didn't have a band to um, fool around with in ter uh, with each song and kind of flesh them out. Um, and in a way, I think that that was a bad call because it made the recording process take actually quite a really long time. 
Um, but then it also it also kind of let us take the song in any direction we wanted. You know, I didn't have my I didn't have my brain in the mode of oh this is how we play it with the band so this is how we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Cosmic Troubles it really was that way. It's like well this is how we perform it so this is how it ought to be recorded. Both I see value to, and I'd like to meet somewhere in the middle for the next record. I think because um, yeah you bring a it, like for me with with all of these songs, the only thing I brought to the table was the chord structure and the lyrics and the melody. You know. Um, which is, you know, I mean, that, that's, the basic, that's the basis of a song, but I didn't have any production ideas, and I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have any sort of even feel or understanding of the groove or anything like that because we'd never performed them before. So it was, you know, liberating in some ways because every song could take whatever shape happened to come up and that was exciting but in other ways it was a little bit of a challenge so did you have to almost relearn them so that you could play them in a live setting after the record was done yeah and so we're actually in the process of that now too so i've played a few of the songs um live uh because we've taken a couple shows since um recording the record and so we are just learning how to play them now and you know, I, I, I noodle on them all the time at home just to kind of get familiar with them and feel like, you know, by the time I'm on stage, I know them like old hats. So it's not, um, I, I can give myself to the stage rather than focus on playing it. But I, but I have not played a lot of the songs at all yet with the band and we're still learning them. So yeah, coming up on the album release, we'll be rehearsing a lot. So right on. Yeah. Although some of the songs on Try still carry some heavy weight, lyrically and musically, this album seems a little bit more positive. Was this a conscious plan, or is this kind of just how things came out? I think it's just how things came out for the most part. I mean, the title of the album is Try, which is inherently like a positive sentiment or a thing to say. I don't know if it's really a sentiment, but, you know, if you're going to try something, that means you have some sort of... Um, optimistic idea of the possible outcome and <laughs> I think it came through musically you know like I, I don't I don't want to keep playing just these bummed out numbers you know on stage and be all introspective and sad and shit you know I, I get that um, that speaks to some people and it speaks to me too and and my tendency is to write uh, lyrics and even sometimes music that's a bit um, pessimistic I guess um, but I also over the past couple of years have just learned how much fun it can be to just play rock and roll you know and how much fun music can be I don't have that dour attitude anymore that maybe I used to have and I think it's because of you know a lot of the privileges that I've had and still do have um, I feel a lot more like if I want something and if something seems fun to me and something seems great then I can try and then maybe I'll get it, you know. And one of the things I want is just to play rock and roll, you know, so. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You're part of the Mint Records roster. What does it mean to be part of such an iconic Canadian label? Um, It's, it feels great. Um, You know, Mint has sort of, to me, two different faces to it. Um, When I first signed to Mint, I was like, 
telling my you know family about it and I was telling my sister like I'm on the same label that signed like Nico Case at one point and you know that that was really exciting to me I've always been aware of Mint um, and I've never really had any kind of pie in the sky like this is a label I'd like to be involved with because I've just never had any business acumen to even set my sights to anything but um, when Mint became like an option they were interested I was like you know started to to think about the history of the label and stuff like that and really got excited about it because of course there's like the Nardwar connection there's the new pornographers uh, connection and there's um, bands like Newtown Animals and stuff like that like they've got a lot of history but they've also continued I don't know if they've really had like a dead period where they're not doing anything not that I'm aware of anyway and I really admire that like I think Mint is a label that you know, doesn't it has had some great successes and and has really built things off of that, but they are not by any means like a you know one hit wonder kind of label, I Definitely, guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they work hard and they are always putting out new records and they're always you know putting out independent artists that that don't have labels. You know, they're taking chances, and I think that that's something that you don't. Know, really see all that often especially in um canadian indie labels is like a lot a lot of risks yeah being taken um on unknown bands and i really you know i'm lucky i really appreciate that they'll do that because i'm unknown and and they're they they help me out so much and it's really great but at the same time it's awesome to be on a label that has signed some really big acts you know Right on. Yeah. So you've made an impressive name for yourself with Cosmic Troubles, and this record will no doubt only enhance your fan base. I've been asking this quite a bit to uh, Prairie, small Prairie City artists. Why stay in Edmonton? Hmm. It's a good question, and uh, <laughs> I don't really know all the reasons to it. Um, for me, and this is no diss on Edmonton at all, but for me the reason I stay is because uh, primarily of my family mm-hmm. um, and some of my closest friends. You know, if my family lived elsewhere and my close friends lived elsewhere, I would probably hit the road too. Um, Fair enough, yeah. However, that's just because I don't really care where I am. You know, I, I could take or leave any place, really. It's okay. really about the people that are um, there that, that mean the most to me. That being said, I think Edmonton is a really awesome place that the only drawback that i'm aware of with edmonton is its geography in terms of how far away it is from any fucking town you want to play in really it's just so far away yeah there's nowhere to go except for calgary you know and nothing wrong with calgary either but that's just your only option if you want to do a little jaunt so um that i find really challenging and really frustrating and part of the reason why I haven't done a lot of touring, because it's hard. Yeah. It's so hard from Edmonton because it costs a lot of money. You have really long drives. Um, that's the case with most of middle Canada. So it's not like Edmonton is especially hard or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, could, I definitely understand why a lot of my friends and my... Um, you know, contemporaries have decided to leave Edmonton because there's nowhere, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's the middle of nowhere, really. Yeah. Um, I think Winnipeg has it the hardest. Winnipeg has it really hard, yeah. too. Yeah, they're just right. They're exactly, totally. Where else do you even play in Manitoba? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. really know if you do anywhere. But so I stay in Edmonton because of my, because of the people. But 
I think that Edmonton in the summer is one of the most beautiful places. And I think that Edmonton's music scene is tenacious, and I really like that. I think that's a really good quality to a music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's inspiring. Like, look at all the great acts that have come out of Edmonton over the past five, ten years. There's a real... Um, inspiration here i don't know (laughs) right on i don't know what it is but it's great so the rest of 2017 maybe early 2018 what is in store for faith healer well uh, album will be out in september september 8th so i'm excited about that and then right after i mean the day it comes out we hit the road uh so we'll be touring out um east to montreal for pop montreal and then from there we'll be going um on tour with uh, Tops, who are partially kind of from Edmonton, um, mostly mostly from Montreal. So we'll be on tour with them for 10 dates through the States, uh, and then back for October. Uh, we're still booking it right now, but we'll likely be um, touring through the States for almost all of November and into December as well. Oh, wow. Um, so that's a lot of... Um, a lot of road dogging, basically. Um, that, that'll easily be the longest tour you've ever done, hey? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, the longest, like, consecutive, uh, I think so. Um, the longest tour I've done has been 30 days, but that was not with Faith Healer. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I mean, it'll be, it's really exciting. We're just really going to push it this time. You know, I, I, I kind of laid back after the last album came out and was like, oh, well, I did my job. Now <laughs> let the reviews pour in, you know, but I realized that. That didn't do much for me and I needed to you know I, I kind of I missed the boat there so I'm gonna really try this time fair enough well that's all we got for the the you know the fluffy questions cool. it's time to get to the hard-hitting <laughs> the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah we really need to know you <laughs> we've done our job we pushed the album yeah. it is a great album by the way I truly <laughs> thank love you it. I really appreciate that but it's time for rapid fire <laughs> okay so the first question what album sparked your love of music Oh, God. Could I just say song? Sure. Because I didn't listen to albums, but Hey Jude by the Beatles. Wonderful. Wonderful pick. <laughs> what is your current musical obsession? Um, I really like uh, this act called Sneaks. I'm not sure where in the States that they're out of, but it's a woman with drum machine and bass and some great electronic kind of aspects. Um and the songs are short, and they rule, and they're so much fun. I really like it. Very cool. What's your favorite meal? Oh, uh, like Mr. Noodle. <laughs> <laughs> How do you take your coffee? Black. Best movie you've seen recently? I watched The Godfather. <laughs> I had never seen it before. <laughs> Alcohol or marijuana? Oh, marijuana. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? Um, gee... I don't know. <laughs> In that case, what's the worst? Oh, um, well, once I played the same song twice. I was really sick. I was just kind of deliriously out of my mind, and I'd taken a bunch of cough syrup to try and just like get through the set. And I, I was like, okay, this song is called blah blah blah, and we're start. And I started playing it as the song where I start it start the song out yeah so i called out the song started playing it and the band didn't join in and i was like what the fuck's wrong with you guys come on <laughs> and they were like jess you already played this song i'm like oh shit <laughs> how many pets do you have and what are their names uh okay well i have one five gallon fish tank that has 
five or six fish in it. I can't find one of them right now, so I'm not sure if it's dead or not, but uh -oh. I can't find a carcass either, so I don't really know. Um, my husband named them, so the fish one, the big guy is called Odo. Then there's Minnie, Mo, and Jack. I don't know the other names. You'd have to ask him, <laughs> I'm not sure. What's the strangest job you've ever had? I've had a lot of jobs. Um, I would say the strangest is either I was a water slide attendant, um, I was trying to become a lifeguard, which I eventually did, but I had to like, you know, start it from the bottom here. So I just would watch people go down a water slide over and over again. It didn't even have lights or a sensor or anything. All I had to do was just sit there. So that was, that was pretty weird. Yeah. My other weird job, or at least not suited to me, was I worked in a shoe store when I was 14, and it was like an old lady's shoe store. Um, <laughs> and like I'd never been exposed to that kind of thing before, but like the older the foot, the more interesting things get. I will say just that. And we're all gonna get there if we get there. So I shouldn't say anything mean about old person foot, but it's interesting. <laughs> Beals or the stones? The stones, although it's not compared. It's such a hard question. I'm like, wait here. It's a hard question to answer because they do such different things. You, you get know? very ph philosophical yeah, with that question. You really can, and I see no point in comparing. I think both are important, but when I go home, I'll probably put on the stones. Fair <laughs> I enough. probably won't put on the Beatles. It's kind of annoying to listen to the Beatles. What was your first car? I bought my first car last year, so it's nice. an easy question to answer, and it's a Dodge Grand Caravan, stow and go right for on. tour. <laughs> What's the best Canadian city to play? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. My best shows have been in Calgary. Yeah. So for me, I'd say Calgary. Right on. Although every time I've played Calgary, I don't get paid, and it's like I'm pulling teeth to get paid. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> I think it's just a weird coincidence, but like every single time I've played Calgary, it's like, oh, they forgot the check. Oh, it's my name's written wrong on it. Oh, the promoter had to leave. Oh, there's a fucking flood. Um, yeah. Like every yeah. time I've played Calgary, and right now I'm fighting tooth and nail to get paid for this gig I did a month ago, and I'm like, wow, every single time, Calgary. Ouch. <laughs> oh well. What's the worst Canadian city to play? That is harsh to talk about. I would say right now Thunder Bay because I'm having a real hard time getting a show there and I can't find any bands to play with and the promoters are all being silly. But it's funny to say that because I used to live in Thunder Bay and every time we tour through, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Thunder Bay. I'm so excited that we're going to Thunder Bay because <laughs> I lived there for a year when I was 20 and when I first started writing music, like I wrote my first song in Thunder Bay. Yeah. So to me, I always imagine it's going to be this amazing homecoming and I can't wait to see my old friends and stuff like that. And then it's like, oh, the venue forgot to pay their power bills so you can play your show, but only if you want to play acoustic. <laughs> oh, great. My punk band's going to play acoustic or oh this house show but the cops shut us down or oh you can play in the back end of this restaurant but like you know yeah. i've never had a good show in thunder bay and i every time we go i'm like it's gonna be so great <laughs> anyway worst place to play they'll prove you wrong this time probably not because i don't even have a show yet <laughs> but maybe maybe everything's falling through but maybe what's the weirdest request you've ever had from a fan i know i've had some weird requests uh, 
And anytime any fan asks me for life advice, I think it's a really weird request. Not for any specific reason, except that, like, how do they know I have it together? I fucking don't, you know? <laughs> I don't have any advice to give somebody. And my friends sometimes, well, my friends don't ask me for advice because they know me. <laughs> like, I'm not going to offer good advice. Um, but every once in a while, I'll get, like, an email or a Facebook message on the, the Faith Healer page or whatever, just, like, you know, saying, oh, this song really spoke to me. Your music means a lot to me. Like, I'm going through this thing right now. And, like, I'd love to support you, but I don't have any advice. I don't know how to get through this. Like, <laughs> I wish you the best, I guess. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? I'm such an ornery person. I think I have so many. I'm just going to go ahead and say the first thing that comes to mind, which is just, like, leaving the um, dishcloth in the bottom of the sink all wet and moldy. I hate that. It's so gross. What's the best album to have sex to? <laughs> okay, the first thing that comes to mind is Massive Attack Mezzanine. Only because I think it, I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get too into it. I'm just going to go ahead and say Massive Attack Mezzanine. <laughs> What's your favorite road trip album? Um, I really love Buffalo Springfield's... Um, uh, this, the album that has For What It's Worth on it, uh, I think it's just self-titled, but I think that's a beautiful album. Love listening to it on the road. If you could have sex with any musician, dead or alive, guy or girl, who would it be? I would have, like, unprotected sex with Mozart, because then there's a chance that I could have a Mozart kid, you know, and I would probably, <laughs> if nothing else, gain me some, you know, notoriety or something. <laughs> That's my favorite answer ever. Okay. <laughs> if you could get wasted with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be and what substance would you choose to abuse? Well, if I was going to hang out with any, you know, known, I guess, musician in general, I would prefer not to do much aside from smoke some pot. Fair um, enough. Just because, you know, it's nice and relaxed. I, I don't do well when I'm drunk. I get, like, a little bit giddy, but I don't... I don't hold myself well. But which musician would that be? <sighs> I don't know. Lou Reed. I think Lou Reed. I love that guy. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> if you could fight any musician, same thing, dead or alive, who would it be? If I could fight a musician. And in this hypothetical world, you're like the strongest person on earth. So I'd be a guarantee to win? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to fight... I want to choose someone al who's alive just in case I can start some beef. I'm going to say <laughs> this is something that was recently brought to my attention um, my, from my coworker. He was like, hey, Warren Drugs ripped off your, your music video, which is a music video I don't even publicize because I don't really care for it. Yeah. But I have this one music video that has um, like a lot of driving in it and then this horse. And yeah. there's a new War on Drugs video that has like a lot of the same kind of shots and driving in a horse. And because I can't think of anybody that I'm actually angry at, and because I think it would be funny, I would fight um, the guy from War on Drugs, I guess. Bring it on, War on Drugs. Because this is, uh, the only beef I can think of is, well, they didn't obviously copy that video because <laughs> nobody in the world has seen that music video. But uh, if, <laughs> you know, I could make the argument. Beef started. <laughs> yeah. Beef started. <laughs> Okay, final question. The one that really tells us everything about <laughs> the you. The kicker. Yeah. If you just found out you were the last person on earth, what's the first thing you would do? Oh, 
I think I would just go to sleep and not wake up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that is a great answer. Okay. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for coming and joining us on Cups and Cakes. Thank you for having me. And wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We're going to leave you with something from the new album, Try. This is called Second Time. Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Jeff McCallum. The featured track was played with permission from Faith Healer and Mint Records. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music running throughout the episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear the original and learn more, go to cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.